Hey guys, Chris Bircher. Welcome back to Knowledge Plus Experience Equals Wisdom. Don't really know where this is going to go today, but I've been thinking a lot about this through the course of my life, but especially recently with the coronavirus and social distancing and keeping ourselves isolated and stuff. But the general topic um, I want to talk about today is uh, uh, distractions versus quiet. Um, remember, you can find all this housed at www.chrisbircher.com. Um, my knowledge plus experience equals wisdom YouTube channel. Um, uh, your, at your favorite podcast service, I know at least Stitcher and Apple Radio and some of the others are, are having this now. But you can find all this if you go to the website, Facebook page, and Twitter accounts. www.chrisbircher.com, and you can email me at k plus e spelled out k p l u s e is wise, I-S-W-I-S-E, K plus E is wise at gmail.com or, you know, comment any of the sections and I'll go through all those things and hopefully we'll have a discourse about this. So I'm a, I guess I'm an ambivert, but laying on the introverted side, you know, I get my energy by isolating myself and sort of building it back up. I don't get my energy from other people. I tend to give my energy to other people. So when I'm out and um, being extroverted, it wears me out. But it, but I do have some extroverted tendencies. I like to be a public speaker. I like to teach. I play music in a band, and we perform. I mean, those those things give me uh, good feelings, but they they cost me energy. So I've got to then go back and sort of like uh, you know re-energize myself uh, alone, which is really hard for me because I got four kids and a wife, and um, I tend to give them most of my energy, and it's hard for me in general to find a time or time enough to, to recharge. Uh, but anyway, that's sort of my, so the, I guess my point is this social distancing thing. It's, it's pretty funny cause I like it. Uh, you know, I don't, I don't expend as much energy, uh, being extroverted because I'm not around people except my family. You know, my mom and dad are very introverted and they're, you know, I talk to them, of course they're in their eighties and they're like, you know, this social distancing stuff, not much has changed for us. <laughs> it's kind of the same old, same old. And I'm definitely in that camp. I'm not missing, you know, being in big crowds or going out and things like that. Um, and that sort of sets up the mood for this because all of us are sort of going through this and figuring out where we are on the spectrum and, 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 and all those things. But it gets to a bigger issue that I've thought about and had experiences with in the past, and that's the idea of distracting ourselves um, with whatever as a means to avoid quiet. You know, And I like quiet, but I'm not real good at it. Um, I distinctly have this memory, and it was probably like 1991. I was living in an apart- my f- first apartment, I think, and I was going to catch the bus to go to class in college. I was 19 years old. And while I was waiting for the bus, I remember thinking, I'm bored. And that's one of the last times I remember being really bored, and that was um, over 25 years ago. But I do have these moments of being bored, and and sort of when I feel bored and I'm, and I'm and I'm sort of trying to characterize the continuum here of being really 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 understimulated uh all the, uh, that continuum to being really really overstimulated and all of us can sort of plug ourselves in on that and sort of what the boundaries are and what that looks like and maybe I'll throw up a figure or something think about this a little more and, and post it on the on the website um but when we when I am at the really low end of stimulation that's where I think I want to be, right? I want quiet. I want 
peace. I want time to, to sit down and spend three hours working up a song on the mandolin or something. But I find that that's not my, my natural tendency. It's difficult to be quiet. And it's easier to have distractions or have some sort of you know, external stimuli um, working on us that we respond to. I think, our, I think as humans, we, we were good at reacting and it's hard to sit. And, um, you know, I think the sort of personal case where I really discovered this was when I got divorced, I, um, I, I wasted a lot of time online dating and I found myself sort of obsessing about, and I guess I did this with Facebook too, not dating, just in general, obsessing about my phone and waiting for a message to come in or waiting for a, a badge to show up, waiting for something to happen on my phone that would give me something to do, right? You know, sort of um, um, waiting for some external stimuli to tell me, to give me something to do, to, to show me how to, that I could react to. And I put all that in a big pile I call distraction. You know, living, so on one end of the spectrum, I was living my life waiting for a distraction to show me how to act rather than the flip side of having no distractions and, and being free or, depending on how you look at it, having to come up with a way to act in that particular moment. And even though I yearn for a life with less, fewer distractions, I don't, I'm not real good at, at, at sort of behaving in that space. And it takes me a while to sort of go, oh, cool, this is what I'm doing now. I got to work through the, what do I do? What do I do? What am I, you know, just sort of this, this anxiety almost that builds up of, of what you're supposed to do. It's sort of the similar to analysis paralysis. It's like, say, you know, my, all of a sudden, for whatever reason, I've got 30 minutes. There's a million things I want to do, but chances are I'm not going to be able to, that 30 minutes is going to be gone before I figure out how to be peaceful in that opportunity of quietness to decide what I can do, uh, and or, or depending on how you look at it, overwhelmed by the distraction. So, you know, I sort of see people as these bodies of recept biological receptors in this world and we're walking around reacting to various external stimuli and when all of a sudden all of that goes away or is minimized it it switches you know your your mode your mo from how do i deal with what's going on in the world to what do i want to do now and i think many of us want to get into the space where we have the choice to decide what we're going to do in any given minute and to do something presumably that is pleasurable or, you know, for me, you knock something off your list of things that you've wanted to do with your life. But that's, that's an interestingly hard place to be. It's, it's hard, for example, for me to get the things I want to do, you know, get better at mandolin, practice playing music, um, do things like I'm doing right now, work on podcasts, think through my brain, um, think through my thoughts and try to organize those things. Um, you know, work on the lawnmower or, or any of those things that I, I, I want to get done or need to get done. All of a sudden it's like, okay, you've got an opportunity to go. You know, it's, it's very difficult. And I, I read, I think it was maybe in the minimalists, um, book. Um, and I'll find the information for that and put it on the website. It's a great book about, um, someone was saying it takes a good, two to three hours. I can't remember what the time was. It was, it was a 
shockingly large amount of time that it takes us to be able to switch gears to get into the creative mode. So if you say, I'm going to sit down and I'm going to write, which is another thing I'd like to do. You don't just say, go and do it. You have to switch gears from this, this driven by external stimuli to, you know, it's almost like an extrinsic approach to life to an intrinsic approach to life. I got to deal with what's going on to I got to determine right now what's going on. That switch takes some time. And that's an interesting um, uh, artifact of being human. Because for me, personally, my list is so big, I feel like my, my, you know, what, what plagues me in my daily life is not having enough time to do the things that I want to do. And then when some time shows up, I can't, I, I waste it. I can't do anything with it, which is one of the reasons I want to do this podcast because it's a, it's an opportunity for me to take advantage of these times and just do it. You know, don't, don't paralyze myself by analyzing analysis paralysis and never actually get anything done. Sit down, do it. And that's part of the reason this is, um, uh, I'm not polishing my episodes prior to doing it because I know if I don't just start, I'm never going to do anything. Um, but the point is, I have distracted myself to the point where it is the it is the go to. It's the automatic response where if I s- sit in quiet, I get uncomfortable, and then I look for something distracting to do. My wife and I, well, my wife complains about this a lot, and we all do it. That we're all on our phones, you know. Um, I've got a three-year-old, three teenagers, my wife and I in the house at the same time. And if the, you know, the three-year-old is usually driving what's going on because you, you know, she requires a lot of attention and you're sort of reacting to her. When she gets quiet, there's these periods of 10 or 15 minutes where we're all like, oh, what do we do? And the first thing we do is pick up our phone. You know, I must read the news 100 times a day, check my email 100 times a day. I'm still guilty of giving in to that easy way to deal with the quiet. And, and, and what I've learned is that's what I'm doing. I'm looking for a distraction to solve some problem, which is quiet or boredom or not really knowing what to do or not being able to decide for myself what I should be doing or want to do or need to do in that particular moment. And then just looking for the easy way out. Secondarily, you know, I'll play a video game on my little handheld console. Um, the all None of the things that are on the list of things I want to be doing and accomplishing with my life. But when I was single and divorced and lonely, you know, looking for the next person to just sort of distract me from that loneliness. Um, you know, I think it's probably true with addicts uh, and myself, you know, um, I've had a nicotine problem since I was probably 15 years old. And in a lot of ways, having a pack of cigarettes or having a can of dip was a way to distract, you know, that was a solution to those little distractions. Oh, oh, I'm I'm quiet, I'm bored, so a cigarette or whatever. Uh, Same thing when I smoked weed regularly, it was a, it was the distraction thing to do that would then sort of determine the next step in my day. And so when I, when I, you know, when I had some anxiety episodes and this sort of built up to, all right, there's a problem I need to solve. I, I, I become anxious and it's really uncomfortable and I need to do this. And I spent probably 10 years trying to figure that out. And I got that to a manageable level now. Um, but I think those things are related and that led, anyway, it led me to meditation and people struggle with meditation. Meditation is very difficult. Meditation is probably the one thing I'd put on my list of things that are good for me 
probably good for people, but yet I don't make the time to do it. That's probably not necessarily related to distraction, but it is sort of related to because I have to decide to do it. I got to sit down and do it. I know I got to commit 20 or 30 minutes to doing it. I know so many things can go wrong and so many interruptions can happen in that period. And, 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 and the, you know, it's not worth starting, but it really is. And for some reason I haven't, I'm still operating in this extrinsic world, extrinsic world, responding to extrinsic stimuli than, than operating in this world where I know I need to learn and master the intrinsic um, approach to life. And meditation is probably the driving force, the, the guiding tool, the, the premise behind making all of that happen. Okay, so I admit that that's true, but I'm unable to do it because I'm struggling to get into that world. And, that, and that's my point, is how difficult it is to be quiet with ourselves, uh, either to do it in the moment or to get to the point where we can do it. So there's two things going on there. One, you really, you, you know, you can't, until you are an expert at something like meditation or quiet mind or whatever, you can't go into a crowded, busy subway or like imagine, you know, shuffling off of a flight to get through an airport to your next flight. You're not going to find, you know, most people don't have the skill set to find calm and peace and quiet in that moment and then still be able to behave. We're still going to get a little jazzed up. We're going to get a little anxious. We're going to get a little energized. We're going to be influenced. We're not going to be able to overcome the extrinsic stimuli in the environment at that time. But that would be an awesome goal, right? But even in a in a situation like now where my wife is like, I'm going to take our three-year-old out and we're going to do a few things, and all of a sudden I've got an hour, it's hard for me to go, okay, I know what I need to do here. It would be very easy to just sit and play a video game or sit and browse Facebook or whatever. And I don't understand that. And I want to understand that. Maybe you can help me understand that um, because I want to be uh, a person who is a master of the intrinsic approach to life when I'm able to know what I need and execute that at any given time. And I feel like that is part of the path to enlightenment, which goes back to, to meditation. You know, meditation is difficult for people because it forces us into this quiet. And what do we find first off when you enter this quiet is you are amazingly overwhelmed by intrinsic data, data, information, even when you're trying to be quiet, the first thing you do when you enter a meditation practice is to be amazed at what's still going on in your head, which I think is an artifact of us sort of automatically living in that world where we're constantly waiting around to receive information and react to it. Whereas meditation says, just let that go through you. It's going to happen. Uh, but the goal is to just let it go. Don't hold on to it. Don't process it. Don't 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 think that that's what you're supposed to be doing because it's an illusion. And 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 therein, you know, I'm getting closer. Right? I'm getting closer to this this issue. Um, there's always information flying by. It seems like our personal and species level um, mo or um, natural tendency is to be ready for information and then to deal with that information. Whereas meditation is saying, you know, it's really not that important. <laughs> What's more important is that you're calm and, you know, you can sort of, and, th and that makes total sense. You know, imagine it's like the hyperspace scene in star Wars where you're flying and all these stars are whizzing by you and you have all this information. And you're like, what do I do? What do I do? 
you know, number one, most of the time, it's not a life-threatening situation. You probably could just sit there and do nothing and be fine. But I think we're programmed, probably evolutionarily, to think that some of this information is really important. And, you know, how and whether or not we process this stuff is a matter of life or death. And, you know, that, you know, I I think of it two ways. Either this hyper-anxious information-seeking processing mind arised because we did live in threatening environments for tens of thousands of hundreds of thousands of years. And so we have developed this system to read that stuff and pick and choose and figure out how to react. And those that did it better went on and those who could process more information evolved and we became humans. That's one school of thought, I'm sure. But another one is just that, you know, it's an artifact of having so many neurons and synapses and information, you know, just we can do it. And so it's, it's, it's kind of interesting as a side project to sort of think about how did we come to this point? Uh, either way, I don't think it's hard to, to ex- agree that we are victims of a monkey mind of a mind that's able and probably today guilty of constantly seeking information to the point where we, be, we have become an- anxious um, an anxious race, uh, probably more so in America. That's what I know. But you read plenty of authors and psychologists and doctors will say anxiety is an increasing problem. And I think it's related to our inability to stop the monkey mind and, and really our inability to stop being the monkeys. And that's what I want to do is just to sort of learn to sort of, you know, be quiet and stop thinking and but not, but not stop thinking you know i don't i don't think that's the goal the goal for me is to filter through um and 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 trust that i'm able to pick out the important things and just slow down and why this is so timely is i think we're all struggling <laughs> right now with the ability you know we're forced to slow down we're forced into a situation with fewer stimuli imagine if we didn't have devices in the internet right now, what would you be distracting yourself with? You know, for me, I'd lose my freaking mind. You know, um, I would have to develop some coping skills pretty quickly, and maybe that would really be the best case scenario. What what I have found the most rewarding during this time period is is getting some projects done. You know, we've got acres of overgrown field that we've slowly been hacking away at and, and burning and, and trying to get back to grass for a pasture. And you talk about a Sisyphean. I don't, that's the last thing I want to do. My wife says, let's go do this. I'm just like, oh my God, I don't want to do that. But it turns out, you know, go spend two or three hours out in the field doing some manual labor and come back in. Not only have you achieved something that you can see, it's like, dang, I can see the driveway again or whatever. You know, there are real results to your labor. It feels good. And but 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 I, it's like I don't know what's good for me. My if, if I had not been sort of pressured by her to do that, I probably would have just sat and played another game of Fortnite and you know accomplished nothing and probably been a little anger angry and been worse off for it. I don't know what's what's even good for me, and I think that that that's probably a a, a truism of at least American society and probably a, a big chunk of the global population is. We don't know what's good for us anymore. And, and I think one of the things that's good for us is, you know, learning to be more quiet 
and recognizing when we're distracting ourselves and ask the question, why am I doing this? You know, for me, like the dating thing, I was distracting myself because I didn't want to deal with the loneliness. I didn't want to deal with my, my personal issues. I wanted someone else to, to, to entertain me, to self-esteem me. And I still feel a little guilty because, you know, it's not like I was intentionally using women for this and it's not like I did anything embarrassing or, or bad. It was, you know, just texting. Um, but you know, I, that's not fair. That's not genuine, you know, but I, but I, I think a lot of us do that. A lot of addicts probably do that with their different addictions. I know I, I do it with nicotine. I know it's not good for me, but I think it's going to solve this problem, this immediate problem, and that problem being I'm bored, I'm quiet, I don't know how to deal with this, therefore I need a distraction. And usually those distractions are not going to be the healthiest things. I'm not going to go do some yard work. I'm going to play a video game or read Facebook for the hundredth time of the day and and our, as our lives become so e- much easier, again, white privilege, with things like the internet and Facebook, it's like we're just filling the gaps with more and more distraction. It's like I told my wife, it's like it's really hard as a nicotine addict uh, because I drive by a convenience store. Uh, you know, They're called convenience stores. Everywhere I've ever lived in the United States, there's nicotine 24 hours a day, within a couple of minutes drive or even walk for a few bucks, you know, it's the distraction is set up to take advantage of my weakness. And I don't want to be weak anymore. You know, I want to be, I want to be strong. I want to own my brain. I want to be able to tell it, Hey man, you are in creativity mode right now. You can switch that, you know, turn that off. And really, can you imagine operating, from that point of view, uh, most of the time, instead of operating from a, ah, what do I do to, uh, you know, the, it's like that Seinfeld episode about masturbation, you know, the, the master of your domain to me, that is part of the ultimate achievement of humans to be able to, to, to be masters of our brains of these things that are us and not us. Right, that's a whole other discussion. A tool that we have that is so overwhelmingly wonderful that we have no idea how to use it. <laughs> um, you know, with great responsibility, with great power comes great responsibility, or whatever. Um, to me, that 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 is, is is one of my goals of life, and part of the reason I'm doing this is you know figure that out uh, because, as you can tell, I think my brain distracts itself with talking or thinking about these things. And so in a way, this is a masturbatory exercise for me being able to do this. But, but the, but the goal is to organize it, you know, the classic literary funnel, take the mess and focus it down into a subset of things and sort of say, you know, I don't need to think about this stuff anymore. When I find myself wanting to go down this rabbit hole, just you know, remind you you don't have to. You've already done it. It's a, it's a because one of as as a philosophy major, one of the things I quickly realized is that most of my thought processes were circular. I would take this trip and and, and all this great information, and and the beginning of that trip is great because you're learning things and you're reading new things. But then eventually, you just sort of find yourself back at the beginning, and there's been no questions answered, and it's sort of like has that just all been a great waste of time? And I, and I don't think it's a great waste of time as long as you don't continue to do it. You know, if you get stuck on the treadmill 
of of thinking, uh, it becomes a neurosis and not a <laughs> not a healthy thing. And so, something about what I'm doing is probably exactly what I'm talking about: distraction and all those things. But I'm trying to be mindful, and there's that word. I think mindfulness is the, the state of mind or the the mo from which you operate when when you're trying to master quiet you know so this is this is what mindfulness is a global movement both of my therapist counselors have said if there's one thing humans could do to improve the greatest amount of problems that humans have it's mindfulness meditation it's it's learning to be quiet with yourself and so it's not like i'm again like with all of this stuff i'm not making it up i think what i do differently is I allow, I give myself the freedom to read, be inspired by things, and then process them as uh, on my own. None of this is original idea. It's it's like my favorite, one of my favorite mandolin players, Chris Thiele, said, you know, about music. He's like, and and the question is arises is like, are you 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 know that song sounded a lot like this song that was recorded twenty years ago, and you know, and he said, you know, look. <laughs> We all are victims of our history. Uh, him, him speaking for himself, and I'm paraphrasing, paraphrasing and probably butchering it, basically saying, I've been influenced by every music I've ever listened to in my life. And what I play is an amalgam of that plus my creativity. If it sounds like I'm copying somebody, I probably am, but I'm not doing it intentionally. And there's, you know, that's the difference. And so I think when it comes to me regurgitating ideas as if they're original, it's it, it's just the processing of information that I've read that other people have done or heard or whatever. My original thoughts and regurgitated. You know, it's that knowledge plus experience equals wisdom. I've got knowledge that comes from other people, um, experience which comes from me, and you know that combination of things is what's interesting. And I'm just trying to to add my part. And really, what I'm looking for is for you to add your part. <clears throat> I was thinking about this a second ago. It's like. It would be really cool to do a podcast where you do interviews, but but I find that interview podcasts are stimulating to a point, and then they sort of don't go beyond that because I feel like with two people, there's never you know you, that synergy rarely happens where it, it becomes this uh, new thing fed by. Really, it's just interesting f- from both people. Um, but what I'm really doing here, what we're wanting to do, is you are the guest, right? The, the, there's a, the, it's a, it's a virtual discourse. Um, but there's a time lag because I can't hear you right now, but if you do respond and I know it's a weird time lag delayed thing, I think, you know, together we can, we can get this funnel down a little more. And one thing that I think I do that I, I used to be good at when I was teaching colleges is, is, um, explaining things in a different way. You know, one of the things I've found to be a truism of learning is that people learn all kinds of different ways. And so the best thing a teacher could do is try to explain a, a, a topic or whatever, four or five different ways to hit those multiple, you know, you could do it infinitely and that's impossible. At least two or three different ways. You know, you don't say you can only add this way um, or, or whatever. There's a, a, a thousand ways to solve a problem and everybody's going to do it a little bit differently. And so all I'm trying to do is um, share my thoughts, organize my thoughts, and figure out what 
other people's thoughts, those relate to, and, and put those all in a little pile and say, let's discuss these. Let's have a discourse about these ideas. And I think the topic this week is very timely. How, how are you dealing with this? Can you put your neuroses or your your symptoms of being in lockdown, social distancing mode into this continuum of distraction and quiet and where are you more comfortable and why are you more comfortable and, and do you see the value in being more quiet uh, versus being more distracted, you know, allowing yourself to be manipulated by the extrinsic world or driving the intrinsic world? Am I totally off base? I don't know. I'm going to continue to think about that uh, and uh, talk about that a little bit more and we'll see what the next episode becomes and please you know um comment below on this video if you're listening to the video if it's a podcast you don't have an easy mechanism to interact but you can uh send me a facebook message uh, k knowledge plus experience equals wisdom um on facebook or you can find me through chris bircher c-h-r-i-s-b-u-r-c-h-e-r uh, you can find the webpage at www.chrisbercher.com, or you can send an email to K plus E is wise, spelled out at gmail.com. Cool. Uh, thanks for being a part of this. Thanks for listening. And uh, even more, thanks for com- uh, commenting. And we'll see where we end up next time. Thanks, guys. Be safe.